Britain is set to leave the EU on the 31st of October 2019. Brexit has dominated the mainstream news agenda for the past two years and is probably one of the most loved and most hated topics of conversation across the UK. But covering such an uncertain topic for energy market readers is no easy task. I'm Miriam Sears and I'm taking you into the newsroom. So I've got with me today Tom Rogers and Chris Summers, and they both cover the UK uh, power and gas markets, uh, or the other way around, gas and power markets. And um, I wanted to chat to them because Brexit is all over the news uh, and Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, everywhere, dinner conversations, pub conversations, when you travel to different places, people ask what do you think about Brexit? So it's just everywhere and people want, there's a thirst for knowledge about Brexit. Um, But covering Brexit related news for our reports here at ISIS hasn't been that simple. Um, So I wanted to chat to Tom and Chris about it. Um, Tom, you've been covering Brexit basically since the vote uh, in 2016. I remember um, we, the vote happened and the next day or that that week uh some senior people in editorial including yourself and um the equivalent power reporter sat down and just had a massive brainstorm session to try to figure out what are all the different angles that we need to cover and ask questions about and things like what does it mean for britain's involvement with the eu for pre-law proceedings and what does it mean for the outlook for liquidity on the markets? And um, uh, what about financial regulation and the capacity markets? And there's just so many elements of Brexit that we sat down and needed to try to figure out and then write about for our readers. Um, it's now been two years since we had that initial, how, how are we gonna cover this? And then made a plan. How would you describe, I guess, how would you sum up what it's been like covering Brexit over the past two years since then? Um, interesting question. I, I actually remember, I think I was on the morning market shift mm. the, 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 the morning after the referendum results, um, sort of expecting to see, you know, some sort of madness going on in the markets. And maybe this sums it up to an extent was that there was a there was a shift in pricing because of what happened with the currency markets but there wasn't this huge amount of risk premium uh, like put into the UK gas the UK power curve mm. all that sort of stuff didn't happen um and at least at least for me someone covering the gas and also looking closely at liquidity it's been more of a case of knowing of knowing when not to cover yeah of being careful of not attributing everything to what was happening with the political discourse because everything was so fluid mm. um, and something that looked binding one month or one day suddenly was irrelevant mm. the next day. And it's it's difficult because, you know, as a citizen here, it's always, it's something you're paying attention to and it's something that deeply sort of uh, personally affects you. Um, but when it comes to reporting sort of energy markets, you have to be careful to make sure you really nail down which factors or factors are or are not going to be impacting what our subscribers would be interested in. Yeah, right. 
Brexit is everywhere. Um, in every single newspaper every day there is a, there is a story about Brexit and on the news in the evening um, and uh, it's I mean I, I was saying to a colleague the other day that it's actually really addictive <laughs> I keep on watching YouTube videos to try to find out understand things like the role of the speaker and <laughs> yeah. um, like all those little bits but for us in particular our our readers are energy market participants so they'll be looking they what they really want to know um or hopefully what listeners really want to know if if we've got listeners who are subscribing to our reports but is is what's going to make prices go up or down or impact gas supply uh or demand or power supply and demand um or the way that people do their jobs um and when it comes to brexit it's not quite that clear in a lot of areas nope. <laughs> what the angle is there um so uh chris you've kind of uh started covering the uk markets more recently mm-hmm. um what's been your kind of what what's been your tactic or how have you kind of approached brexit yeah, yeah. I mean that that's interesting. <laughs> the, the, the fact that you seem to think I have a tactic um, <laughs> is is quite interesting in itself. I think it's just it's just about, as Tom mentioned, sort of sort of breaking through the noise um, and not necessarily assuming you have to write a story uh, just because there's been some mainstream Brexit news. Because as you say, it's happening every day, mm. um, and really just sort of trying to focus on uh, you know if there is actually a sort of um, proper announcement about policy um and obviously that's that's quite they're quite few and far between that that would certainly be something we'd we'd look at covering but but if there's an announcement about you know the color of you know passports after brexit we we, we, you you have to be careful just to sort of ignore that um so i suppose that yeah the, the the tactic has really just been to to look out for for any sort of yeah sort of actually um substantial political announcements so the the withdraw draft withdrawal agreement um was probably a, a the only example of that so far you know mm. um and even then um you know sort of access to energy markets and things like that it was sort of just a footnote um so i suppose it's been it's been it's been quite difficult in that sense because there's been so little substantial um sort of political um news you know and th- that has meant that actually uh being able to work anything about energy policy out um, mm. um, is in itself quite difficult. Because I guess, like the the journalist in me is thinking, there there must be loads of angles and story story ideas, and people must have opinions, and you could go and ask people what their mm. expectations are for X Y Z. But the people that we're asking, mm. if there if there isn't that underlying policy. Uh, announcement in place or plan that you're working towards the people that we're asking their opinions of they won't really they might not know any more than the next guy on the street yeah so and I suppose that's our responsibility as as reporters is to uh, to make sure we're only covering the facts only covering the sort of substantial stuff and making sure that we're we're not just covering something because someone's got an opinion on what might happen Mm, mm. I think also the um the trick is to not attribute everything to Brexit as well. Um, and 
you know, there's a risk of heightening everything by adding sort of the B word. What do you mean? Um, so the typical stuff is companies trading houses, a lot of them are based in London, some of them have left, and then everyone suddenly starts to say the Brexit word, but it's important to realise that companies are moving all the time, and also some companies have come to London after after the referendum. Mm. Um, but Brexit is got to be in there somewhere, surely, as as reasons why a number of com- companies have left the UK. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it's someone who I'm sure will t- you could ask someone and they'll give you that opinion. Um, but that is one facet of why they might have left. But there might be another twenty, ten, five facets which are arguably mm. more meaningful. You know, going to a lot of them move to Switzerland, not necessarily high taxes there and all sorts of reasons Mm. um and also just covering general liquidity trends as well um you could argue that brexit has had an impact on the amount of trade that's going through uh, on on the mvp um but again there's other stuff going on there in terms of this migration away from that market which has been going on way before Mm. anyone decided to leave the european union the end of the long-term contracts on the internet. No, exactly. <laughs> All sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, I guess another difficulty <laughs> is just that the politicians themselves don't really... We, we don't have that clear-cut policy on what's going to happen after Brexit. Um, we don't even know if the UK is going to leave with a deal or not. So, um, Chris, I know a couple of weeks ago you wrote a, a, a really uh, thorough story about market fears are laid as UK swerves, no deal Brexit, um, and detailing what and what it meant that we were no longer looking at a no deal Brexit after Parliament voted that it wouldn't be an option. Um, but now, with Brexit being postponed to October, <laughs> the, the option suddenly feels maybe a bit more real than it did before. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, yeah, I guess that's that's another difficulty that, that you guys have to face. Yeah, writing that story was a massive waste of my time in the end. I don't know <laughs> the looks of it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a waste of time uh, because people wanted to read about it, and um, and it was a nice uh, outline of the uh, the different fears in the yeah. market of No Deal Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. Have Have you guys got? Um, flags in your head for if you do see a Brexit story coming out in the news that you think, oh, they mention this topic, maybe I should look into writing about it. Sort of. I mean, I think that the example you've just you've just given there of that no deal story is is probably a a good one, Um, you know, because because we had this concrete withdrawal agreement this fairly detailed withdrawal agreement and suddenly they came out you know MPs decided in principle you know there would be there we would avoid no deal Brexit so when that happens that was a sort of alarm bell I sort of think right you know we can't just crash out if we're if we're leaving we're leaving with this withdrawal um, agreement so then I can go into the the actual text and I can say you know with a certain degree of um, certain degree of certainty that you know well well this must be the thing that's going to happen this must be the thing that's going to happen you know we are going to stay in the IEM, um, we are going to stay in the uh, the ETS until yeah. the end of next year. Um, so that was a sort of a, a nice example of, of 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 that, I suppose, of a fairly concrete story. But but as you say, that's all up in the air again now. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, stuff just like broadly on cross border trade, on mm-hmm. tariffs, on 
uh, on gas and power and broader broader on exports and imports that sort of stuff you'd you'd be looking out for more financial stuff on regulation and how UK counterparties are going to be able to access exchanges or OTC markets a lot of that's covered by our colleagues who are working more closely with sort of uh, financial regulation and EU regulation uh, so yeah those are those are the things to look out for and again even when those things come out it's not always something at the end of it that mm. is any sort of clarity or any sort of uh, apparent impact even with cross-border flows and tariffs I think the general consensus seems to be there's not going to be much of an impact after the Britain leaves the EU on those things. What sort of appetite for Brexit related coverage are you getting from your sources? To be honest, not not a huge amount. Um, I don't know if that's just because, you know, because of Brexit fatigue, everyone sort of, mm. you know, they're reading about it and then their newspapers in the morning, they don't want to come in to work and read about it in EDEM. Um, I don't really have people asking me specific questions about it. Perhaps it's because uh, they're involved in the actual trade of power um, and what's making prices go up and down and Brexit isn't necessarily making prices go up and down mm -hmm. at the moment, yep. uh, uh, unless you talk about carbon um, and, and what might be happening on the carbon market. Yeah. Whenever there's any news, I, I think people are more than happy to have a good moan about it, like <laughs> like anyone else is. Um, but I'd imagine that their our subscribers within their companies are also having lots and lots of internal discussions about mm. it and how it affects their business and stuff like that. Um, uh, there's been the only the only place where there's been actual sort of curiosity has been uh, from s from having conversations with uh, subscribers outside of Europe. Okay. Just a more of an outsider's perspective, sort mm. of asking, um, but they usually ask what they think the impact, what what we think the impact might be, and we obviously aren't really able to give them much clarity mm. because there is no clarity to give. Mm, mm, yeah. Um, so over the next few months, up until October, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> whether we'll leave the EU with a deal or without a deal, or whether there'll be more extensions. H how are you going to? be focusing on covering Brexit well for our subscribers over the next few months? Uh, probably similar as to how we've been doing it up to now, which I think has broadly been pretty good. Um, sifting through all the other stuff that, you know, isn't going to have any impact on energy markets and nailing down what will or might mm. um, and not getting a, and trying to not get a whipped up and all the enthusiasm or like thereof around everything. So so you could say in a way our Brexit coverage is not just writing about Brexit for the sake of writing about Brexit because everyone is writing about Brexit but yeah. uh, identifying the really important stories that our readers that will be important to our readers and then really honing in on on mm. what that means. Yeah. I suppose, you know, we, we here at ISIS wouldn't write about anything unless it impacted supply and demand or prices on European energy markets. And I suppose our coverage of Brexit is just exactly the same as that. Yeah. So keep on reading our reports if you want to stay up to date with our coverage of uh, uh, what's happening with Brexit, if it's going to impact energy markets. <laughs> uh, 
And um, you can also listen to Isis Energy podcasts uh, via Spotify or iTunes, and you can hit the subscribe button as well um, if you'd like to keep up to date with our latest podcasts. Mm-hmm.